Spirit, we invite you in this place. Move in us and among us and have your way here this morning. Lord, I lift up Jeff. Um, we go before him, go before us, prepare our hearts to hear um, the words that, that you have laid on his heart for us this morning and just bless our time together, God. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Worship team, that was awesome. Loud stuff. All right, got some props to get up here, so give me a second. Good morning, everybody. Uh-oh. Traffic. Oh, you guys look so old. <laughs> Hopefully you guys got that joke. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, know me, my name is Jeff Rybacki, and I get to lead uh, the youth, or the youth um, 1335, 7th through 12th graders, so that's who I'm used to speaking to, and that's why I made that dad joke there. But this morning, um, you don't have to listen to a full, uh, testimony, or a full sermon from me. It's a shorter sermon, but I do have a story too. So what's going to happen is I'm going to give a testimony up front, on a spiritual gift that I received that is the spiritual gift Rob talked about last week. He talked about uh, a word of knowledge. So it's important before I give that testimony that we define a word of knowledge. And most biblical scholars will define it as when God tells you something you wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't otherwise know. So something you wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't know without him. And the way he does it, it can be a variety of ways if you look at the Bible through dream, vision, picture, word, speech, thought, impression, etc. So we're going to get into to how that played a role in my life. But first, I'd like to pray for us. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I pray like Gina did that your spirit would be here with all these words. Um, what you've done is, it doesn't matter if your spirit's not working here in the hearts and minds of everyone. So I just pray that what you put on my heart would come out as you want it to, that you'd work in the hearts and minds of all those here today. Pray this in the mighty Son of your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so like I said, I'm going to give uh, a testimony on word of knowledge, but before I do that, we'd have to kind of backtrack a little bit. So testimony is going to take a little while, but I'm going to go through a little bit of my life and culminate with what happened a couple years ago, and hopefully that will serve to encourage you guys. And after that, we're going to get into a short teaching on discerning the word of God and how I think that's important for all of us, and I think that he speaks to all of us. So I always had a belief in God, and we're going to do a little visual stuff here, help everyone pay attention. So we're going to have that be God, and it's just a circle. It doesn't matter the shape. It's just visual. It's not an actual metaphor for the gospel, but we're just going to say that I had a distance from him because the way um, I had a belief in God growing up, and it continued into my adult life, but it wasn't the center of my life at all. It was just something I thought could be helpful, something I maybe leaned into it. Sometimes I would pray more than others. Sometimes I would go to church every, maybe every week, and then sometimes uh, I wouldn't go for period, long periods of time at all, and sometimes I didn't pray for long periods of time. It just wasn't, a fo- my faith wasn't a focal point. And so in my journey, I would describe that as, well, I didn't give enough room for me to go backwards here, but I just kind of wandered around. And that's what happens when you don't know who God is and you don't give him the time. I feel like 
it's super easy in our culture to just make up your own God. Like I could take the things I'd learned from the faith I had and like them and hold on to them and the things that didn't sit with me and just push them aside. And it was really easy to create my own faith that I was comfortable with, that I chose to live by. But it's really, when you make it up yourself, it's your own God. So who's really God if you're making it up? But that was kind of the thought I had. And if anything, I definitely didn't have a relationship with him. I thought of him more as a, a big guy in the sky that looked down, kind of had a feeling like he's watching, but just do more good than bad. And that's really it. No relationship whatsoever. So when we moved here and people were put in our lives, both my wife and I, that had a relationship with God and started inviting us to their churches, which was really strange, uh, it, it made me realize that even though I call myself a Christian, I really didn't even know the Bible, and I really didn't live differently than anyone else. So we started going to the bridge in 2007, and that's, I think, the first point where I stopped um, just going wherever, and I would just kind of describe it as I kind of knew God and I was learning about him, so I kind of started in general, not a straight line to God, not a fast line, but a really slow one, and I started learning about him and going towards him, though. That's the way I would say it. But the, the tricky part is I, having never read the Bible and just having a belief in God but not really thinking about it, now I was challenged because our pastor was telling me the Bible's true. And I'm reading it, and if you read the Bible, there's some things in there that are hard to just take as truth. Um, the simple one is just the age of some of the people in the Old Testament. Like, did they really live that long? And so as I started to learn, I would kind of go backwards a little bit. Then I doubt, did I even really believe what I was being told? And that continued for too long. <laughs> it's basically big things would happen. God would start to change my marriage. Incredible. And then I'd just be struck with doubt. Something I heard, something I read in the Bible. Like, does God even exist? Like, then I would question whether he's even there. So you're not going to go towards somebody if you don't even think they're there. It's not like I completely lost my faith or anything like that. It's just I didn't have a strong faith. It was easily tossed to and from, which was bad. So a lot of the time, I would ask for help with my unbelief. That was a passage that I resonated with a lot. And this is how I depicted things. I laugh about it now, but it's very realistic that some of you went through this. So a lot of times in those years, I would just say, if I could get through this doubt, I would, just, I would run to you, God. I would know. Like I, I trust a lot of these things. I believe it, but I need to get through this doubt. And so I would ask for things like when I was driving, just change the billboard. Like No one else has to see it. You don't have to do it. Just so my eyes see it, just say, yes, I'm real. Like Things like that, just, which is kind of a test of God, which in Scripture it says don't do. But that's what I knew because I didn't really read the Bible. And I knew some of it, I kept reading it, but it wasn't like it was part of me. It was stuff I would read and tend to forget. And then uh, one common one I had, which turns out our old pastor used to have this too, so it's not that bad, but I'd ask God to put a shooting star across the sky. Like I'd stand out on my deck, like if you just put a shooting star across the sky, God, right now, then I would know you're real and I could I'd just be less shame, less worry. I would put my faith in you because that would give me the, the sign that I needed. And that kind of continued for a long time. Like, I wouldn't get the sign, but stuff happened in my life and other people's lives where maybe the doubt didn't get as bad. And I kept kind of pursuing him in a way. But it got to a point as I'm walking here in the last several years 
where I knew a lot of people who I felt were really close to God. They had a really strong faith. They were almost unbreakable, almost unshakable in their faith, and I couldn't understand that. And I remember doing a lot of apologetic stuff, and, and Tim Keller described it once as, um, when you know and you experience God, you just know, and nothing can take that from you. And when I was reading that, I was like, no, that's not good enough. Like, I don't know. You need to give me, like, something I can do so I know. Um, but if we fast forward to today, I understand what he's saying now, and I hope that you will in your life. But that's where I was stuck. I wanted to be like that, like Tim Keller and all these other people that just knew and had a strong faith and nothing could shake it. And so it was in November of 2018, actually, the end of year meeting we had with Rob, and we just kind of talked about stuff. And at that point, I was like, look, I see what God's doing in people's lives. Like, I see the fruit of it, but I'm not there. I don't know what this looks like, and I had done little stuff like um, take a Saturday and, and spend it just with the Bible and reading and walking through parks and stuff, and kind of like a mini sabbatical. Done little things here and there that I tried to grow in my faith, and God used it all. But I was at this point where I kind of felt stuck, and I, I just wanted breakthrough is what I wanted. I wanted something um, where I could get through all this doubt. And I didn't know what that looked like, honestly. I, I mean, that's what I was talking with Rob. Like, I don't know if it looks like I schedule this or do that or I read this and um, just try to read the Bible more, which is kind of the focus of it. And so I started kind of doing that through the year. And we're, so this was November of 18. In January of 2019, at the end of that month, my wife came back from a women's retreat. And in my eyes, when she came back, God was saying, here's how you do it. Because she was already... Um, a person who her morning routine would be get up, read the Bible, um, spend time with God in prayer. And I'm sure it looked different for her every day, but that's what she did. But when she came back from the women's retreat, there was something different. She was now like one of these people right there living with me. And I couldn't deny the transformation that was happening in her life. And all she was doing is reading the Bible and sitting with the Lord every day. And so I'm trying to create arrangements where I go and get away for a day and all that. I'm thinking, God, just show me, just do it. Just get in your Bible and read every day, spend time with me. And so I started to prioritize that. And really, I would say just pretty incredible things that I won't get into today um, happened throughout that year. But we'll go to the end of the year, September of 2019, when we go to the Convergence Conference. And this was a conference on word and spirit. So it's living life, which you've heard Rob talk about a lot, living life fully in the Word and fully in the Spirit. And uh, it was incredible. We got there. I didn't know what to expect. They just unpacked Scripture in really um, encouraging but also challenging ways. Like They talked about what God was saying, what the Spirit says, and it's one of those things where I had read a lot of Scripture at that point, but now as I'm reading it, I'm like, does it really say Holy Spirit that much? Like it does. The words are right there, and I'm looking at my Bible, and sure enough, and Ever since then, I see it more and more. And one of the guys had talked about, um, he just did a whole sermon on James 5, the end of James 5 and how you pray. And if you haven't read that, it's like, is anyone struggling who's sick? You know, pray for them. Uh, pray and confess your sins one another. And it tells you that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful. And he kind of made this thing that this was the norm in the church and just talked about how, you know, like to make a copy of a copy and you keep going generation after generation and it slowly kind of disappears. And so he just said that many churches aren't living this out anymore, but it's in the Bible. And that's kind of, they point out the dangers of, we know passages in the Bible and they can be so true to us, 
but there's passages that we can ignore that carry just as much weight to God. And so it was the importance of knowing the whole Bible and knowing God's whole character. So it was incredible. Um, challenging, fun, got to unpack a lot of things with other people we were with. And then we went uh, at the end of the night, and they had people who were praying to give words of knowledge. So they were basically praying um, in the back for us that were at the audience, or that were in attendance, like a thousand some people or something. They'd pray for us, and they would ask God for a word of knowledge, which is something that God would tell them that they wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't otherwise know. So they came out, and they gave, they would just get the microphone, share it, and say, this is what God's saying to me. And some of those things were maybe more general. They would say, uh, I want to, God's telling me he wants to heal lower back pain. So if you're struggling with lower back pain, let's meet over here, and I will pray for you. And then some of the things were a lot more specific, where they would talk specifically to one person to describe a set of circumstances or a person that was very specific. And so I went home that night. There was, you know, when you hear it, and knowing my character, like I'm very much um, skeptical and want to see all sides. And so if I would have heard that, I would have been very skeptical. Like, okay, well, did they put somebody out in the audience? Did they have this? Did they make it look like God's working? And just a skeptical part of me. But when we were there, I talked to another guy who had never experienced it. The presence of God was there. And I didn't have that doubt about him doing those things. I believed he was working in people's lives. Um, and it was really encouraging. And when I went back home to the Airbnb that night, I remember praying, and I just remember saying, hey, God, that was pretty cool. Like, you work that way, and you still do stuff like that? Like, I got a list of stuff I would love to be healed from, or I'd love you to take this from me, so go ahead, you know, and just kind of open-ended. And I woke up the next morning, didn't have a lot of a time with a bunch of people around, just spent a brief moment at the end of the bed trying to hear from God for the day. And I just remember before I even prayed, which I would describe now as a word of knowledge, Remember before I even prayed, just started to, like, in the back kind of recesses of my mind, just a flashing forward, God's like, I'm going to heal your eye today. Just like, out of nowhere, it's not my voice, not my inner dialogue, it's like, I'm going to heal your eye today. And I remember thinking, that list I had the night before, my eye was probably not high on that list. It's not something that is debilitating to me. Uh, the, the quick story of my eye is, when I had this crazy job in college at the library, I had to do all the stuff where I'd file books and put decimal cards back in to the index cards. I'd just put them all back in. And it's super dangerous because what happens when I did it, metal filing came out and got into my eye. So I had a metal filing in my eye. It was incredibly irritating that day. I couldn't start to see. It was like watering. I, I couldn't keep it open. It was had to go to the ER, and they basically had to remove it. They... They did this whole process. I had to stare into this light and everything was dark and they numbed my eye. It was really weird, but they took it out. I had to wear an eye patch for a couple of days, which is messes with your depth of perception. But after that, it was good. Everything was good. I healed. It was fine. I could see fine. Except, um, for, I don't know why or when it started, but for whatever reason, every month or two, I would say, I would just wake up and the whole eye would just be bloodshot. And it would, I'd go to work at my place of work, and people would ask me, um, do you have pink eye? What's going on? Or did you get punched in the eye? Or what happened to your eye, man? And, and it didn't really hurt. It felt a little weird, but I could see fine. I did, it wasn't really a problem, except that people would just ask me about it, and I would realize it's there, and it, I just kind of felt a little different than normal, but that's it. So that's, that's what he put on my heart that morning. Um, and then we go to the conference. I didn't tell anybody about it. It was just a quick thing in prayer. And... 
we went to the conference and get a full day, and this whole time, another day of unpacking the scripture and being challenged by the Lord. Great conversations. So this is completely not in my realm of thought as we head into the night. And when we head into the night, again, they bring out people who've been praying all day, and they say a bunch of stuff. About halfway through it, a guy comes out on stage, and he just says, God wants to heal somebody's eye tonight, specifically their left eye. I'm like, oh, man, okay, left. This is me. Like, I'm tracking with this. I wasn't even putting it together about what happened that morning, honestly. It was so long ago. But that's what I was thinking. And then he starts going, I don't know if you have, um, I'm, I'm like listening, this is me. I don't know if you have a blindness or loss of sight and immediately, like, I'm back. Nope, that's not me. This is not, you know, that's how the enemy works. He just wants you to keep you from God. So I immediately started discounting everything he's saying. And then he starts to go, I'm hearing a piece of shrapnel. Like, there's a piece of shrapnel that's in your eye. And I'm like, shrapnel, whatever reason, I'm thinking, no way this is to me. I don't have a big thing sticking on my eye. But my wife starts elbowing me like crazy. That's you. That's you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not me. It's not me. She goes, that's how you tell your story all the time. It's like the doctor told you a shrapnel. Blah, blah. Like, and she was probably right because the story's not that fun. So I probably did use the word shrapnel rather than metal filing. <laughs> but I didn't remember that at the time. So I'm not remembering that. And I'm just thinking, this isn't me. This isn't me. And then the guy goes, I'm hearing the number 30. I don't know if 30 is your age or, and 30 is my birthday. And you, everybody has certain numbers that are just more important to you than others. Like, it's just a number. And he's like, I don't know if this number has significance. And so God just prompted me at that point, which was nerve-wracking because there's like over a thousand people. And I'm like, this is me. Even though I felt like this isn't something huge and I don't want to take this from somebody who was really blind and needs to be cured, but I felt God saying like, this is me. So I raised my hand. I was like, it's me. So he just makes eye contact with me. He goes, okay, I'll pray for you at the rest. So they finished their words of knowledge. He comes down after when we're all in a prayer time, finds me in the aisle, comes to the end. We share stories really quick about what, what was going on, and it's lining up with what happened in my life and what he's hearing from God. And so he's like, I think God wants to pray. I think he just wants to, there might be just a slice of shrapnel left. There might be just something in there yet, and he just wants to dissolve and get rid of. I'm like, all right, let's do it. I don't, that's fine. And so he prayed for me like 15, 30 seconds. I don't remember the prayer even. I, don't, I felt nothing. Like I, it was kind of distracting because there's so many people praying and things around that I was just like, it's cool that he's praying. And he walks away, and I just, it wasn't, it, it's just that I felt known by God. Like all this stuff, all of a sudden I felt like I was right here. Like I was the son of God. All my doubts, like all that stuff just pushed away. And I felt like the Lord saw me and he knew me. And, it, and the conference went on for another day and so many things were prayed and spoken that I felt so privileged. Like my wife, it was a great conference for everybody, but I felt like she got gypped out of the gifts that God was giving because I had so many things that felt so personal to me and were so incredible and just life-changing for me that God was there and spoke. And so it just changed the way I was. And it's like I saw him in all this. We just sang that song about not for a minute was I forsaken. I was crying out at points like this. I, I, I would struggle with anxiety. And in the middle of the night in my floor, I would just be like, why can I feel like I can't breathe? Like, God, where are you if you're really real? And I just all of a sudden felt like he was there the whole time when I got to this point. 
And he, I knew it. And he was basically, I was asking for all this stuff, like, show me now, show me now. And he just kept calling me forward, just kept calling me closer, putting enough stuff in my life to call me closer. And then when he got there, I'm asking for this, and then he gives me this, just something more incredible than I could have hoped for. And it was like, I don't care that you didn't speak to me in all those other times, because now I know you were there, and I know you were waiting. And it was so worth it. And so God, God just, I just felt so loved by God, and so blessed and so fortunate. And so I hope you take that. I, here's a side note for that. I also got the gift of healing. Because <laughs> since that two over two years ago now, my, I have not woken up with a completely red eye, bloodshot eye. It just has went away. So that was, it was just a beautiful way God works. And that wasn't important. Like I see this as God just pulling me through the doubt. And that's what he's done. And he gave me such a desire to get into his word, read more about it, and just spend time with him each and every day. Just I had that, I, like I said, I started at that during that year, but at this point, I just wanted to get back and get into this routine and make it a priority in my life. And, um, and that's what he did. So that's kind of the end of the first part of what we're going to talk about today. Now we've got to get into the teaching part where I don't get to tell stories about myself. So the verse for today is not a whole, it's, it's just one verse that we're going to go over. You can put up now, Eric. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. The reason we're going to talk about that when we're talking about discerning God's voice is because the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. That's the biblical metaphor that Jesus uses. And if you've heard that, I don't know how many of you have heard that, but like when I taught the youth, I had read that the sheep can be out amongst and grazing, and a bunch of people can be talking, and their shepherd can talk and call them, And other people can imitate the shepherd, but they will follow the shepherd. And I wasn't sure if this was even true because I'm like, I better check this because I'm not used to living up here and doing all the farm animal stuff. So I want to make sure I'm not being duped. But sure enough, and I got into like shepherd's forums and stuff, which is pretty interesting. So there's all kinds of stuff where like families would be in charge of sheep. And so it would be like our family, picture that. We have a bunch of sheep and Julia would feed a certain amount of sheep. My wife would feed some and I'd feed some. And when I go out there with the food, Julia's sheep and Amy's sheep wouldn't move, and my sheep would see me, and they'd get excited. And then Julia, same food, only her sheep would move. So sheep know their shepherd. And we'll just show a short video here that describes um, this process that actually happened. One more time. Oh, one is Look at them. Oh, 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 o
They are coming. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Eunice made him go away. Oh my god. Was that cool or what? Oh my god. <laughs> you will never have the same again. Oh my god. just us that don't know him well usually. So it's the importance of knowing God, what he says in scripture about himself, who he is, what his promises are, so that we can recognize his voice. Now, I'm from Milwaukee, and my parents are hopefully watching online. So hi, mom and dad, if you're watching online. But my dad would probably make fun of me if I used a farm reference and analogy and left it at that. So I have to use a people reference so that people who only see sheep at the zoo will understand um, what we're talking about here. So I'm going to call up Elsie and Eliana. Elsa. I didn't even say anymore. Elsa and Eliana. Wow, this is off to a great start. Let's hope this metaphor gets better. Why don't you come up here? Because on the live stream, your heads are just going to peek up. So this is Elsa and Eliana. And if I, I have a 50-50 chance of getting this right. So if I say you're Elsa, I'm right and you're Eliana. So I got it right because 50-50. But when they, if they wanted to fool me, they could. I don't know them that well. Like, I assume everybody here, some of you know them really well, some of you don't. Those of us that just know identical twins, I mean, they're identical. So they're hard to tell apart, right, to most people. But those that know them, their parents, they just look at their face. They can't be fooled. So don't believe movies like Parent Trap and stuff like that. They can't be fooled. And you can ask their parents this. Those that know them, their brothers and sisters, they just know them. That's how we are. Like when we look and know them, like they're fully, we spend time with them. That's all we have to do. We would know, I would be able to tell them apart and not risk embarrassing myself, right? So you guys can go down for this part. So I sent them off the stage because... I don't want to talk about this very long, but I think it's important. I want to spend most of the time focusing on God. But opposite of God is Satan and the enemy of God. And when we think of cartoons and stuff, we have the little devil on our shoulder and then maybe there's an angel or something. And it's always really easy, right? It's just like, I do the good thing or the bad thing. Like everything we do, it's like, well, do I hit him or do I not? Like so many choices are so easy, right? No, that's, that's not what the Bible says. So the Bible actually says Satan masks or masquerades as an angel of light. What the enemy is trying to do, all he's trying to do is get between us and God so we don't know God well. That's his main focus. It's not like tracking followers or anything like that. He's just trying so we don't hear from a true God. So a lot of times it's really easy for him to do that when I'm away from God, don't have a clear picture of him. I could follow the enemy easily. I could follow what sounds good pretty easily because I was deceived. I don't know God. 
I don't spend time with him. I don't know his word. That's super important because when you look at Scripture, this is the tactic the enemy uses. The first question in Scripture comes from him, and he's just like, did God really say that? Talks to Adam and Eve in the garden. He's like, did God really say that? And how many times was I struggling in doubt over here? Does God really say that? Did God really do that? Does it really that way? Just questioning. That's all he's doing is putting me to question God, which God's not afraid of your questions. I'm not saying don't ask your questions, but that's what the enemy does. And then the last thing I'm going to say about that, he uses scripture to tempt Jesus in Jesus' 40 days. So if he thought it was a good tactic to go to the person who's authored scripture and use it to tempt him, I mean, it didn't work because he's Jesus, but he does it in our lives. If he just gets scripture a little bit off, or we just camp out in one part of scripture and we're like, ah, the Old Testament doesn't matter. Or, uh, oh, I like these letters and not this stuff. Like, that's all the enemy has to do is just to get us to be a little bit off of what God's saying. And, and he wins the short battle. So we just need to keep that in mind as we discern God's voice because there's somebody who's imitating God, and that's the importance of discerning his voice. So let's just get the definition of discernment up there from Webster's, and that's the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. So real, how we're going to end is just going through three ways that we need to discern God's voice. We need to discern his voice in the Bible, his word. We need to discern his voice through others, how God speaks to us through others. How do we discern his voice there? And then lastly, we need to discern his voice in our quiet time, in our prayer time, in stillness. Like, how, does, how do we know it's God? So we'll just go over quick pointers and how this happens. First, we start with his word, the Bible. So this is the most common way that God speaks to all of us. This is his love letter to us. So there's a couple uh, passages I'll read here. Psalm 33, 4, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. And then Jeremiah 29, 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And going back to this, I was asking God to find me. And he does do that. Like, God, you look at the story of Saul's conversion to Paul. Yes, he can just turn your life around. Saul's going that way. He turns him into Paul and sends him right to Christ. But my story was more, ah, come find me, God. Show me this. Go do this. And he's over here, and he's just waiting. He's saying, well, my word says find me. Seek me. And so that's what I, had, I eventually started doing because I was reading in his word. So... He speaks clearly about how to conduct our lives and how to live. But this is more than just knowing the word of God. Like We can have it in our heads, but we have to have it in our hearts as well. It's about a relationship with God. Because if it's not saturated in us, it won't work. It'll just be something easy to ignore. And when we study it, we pray over it, apply it, let it linger for a while, that's how it starts to saturate us. And again, looking at the Bible and the warnings it gave us, who knew Scripture in their heads really well? The Pharisees. The Pharisees knew Scripture. But God's like, I'm looking at your heart. Jesus says, I'm looking at your heart, and you're not doing it. And so that's really important. And we think of meditation, because um, one of the passages in Psalm 1-2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And when we think of Eastern meditation, it's more empty in your mind and a different philosophy. But when we're Christians, the idea of meditating on his word is to put his word in our mind, put pictures of his word in our mind and meditate and sit on that. And that's what we can do. I said earlier God's word is a love letter delivered to us. 
I've heard a lot of people describe it that way. So another analogy would be to think of somebody, a loved one, maybe a, a child, uh, a spouse, a parent. Maybe you haven't seen them in a while, and they send a letter in the mail. And you get the mail, and it's there. Do you open it and read it, or are you just like going to put it down on the counter? Leave it sit. Don't read it because it's boring. Don't read it because, well, I've heard a lot of stories in it, and I just, it's not worth my time. Those are all things that I would say about the Bible. Um, it was hard for me to jump into. And it's God's words for us, so we should know it. Lastly, for knowing God's word and his voice in Scripture, Rob talked about this several weeks back. If you go back to, I think it's the second sermon in the series of Walking in Victory. We were in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So this is an example. We know the Holy Spirit in Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is what enlightens Scripture. It helps Scripture come alive. This letter is alive. It's the living word of God, and it does transformational things. We have to know that the Spirit is what works to make that happen. But the Spirit, what it's saying in Scripture, is also will give us a little insight into what God's thinking sometimes. It will give us a little insight into his plans if we're listening. It doesn't mean we understand all the mysteries of God. It doesn't mean we have it all figured out. We'll not do that on this side of eternity. But the Spirit does give us glimpses of what God's thinking sometimes to help encourage the body and move. Secondly, we're going to go into discerning God's voice through others. So the great commandment is to love God and love others. Uh, so we know that we're designed to do community together. You hear us, we're wired for community. We say that around here. We can just look at the Bible and know we're designed to be in community together. And a lot of that is so that we can walk through together in his spirit. He can bring out wisdom, guidance, encouragement through other believers. So that's how we grow together as disciples. And here we have, think of ideas like 3D groups, community groups, um, classes that are going on like right now or different counseling things, mentors, just peer groups that you hang with. When you're with other believers, God will often use them to highlight what God's doing in your life. They might have a scripture for you. And at times, God might use them to deliver a word to you. And so when somebody delivers God's words into your life, that's what's incredibly important to again know his voice. You have to know who's talking here. We have the twins there. I got to know which one says this. Because one of them is true. Importance again of knowing Scripture. Because we have to take everything that God would speak to us through someone else and we have to marry it to Scripture. And if it doesn't add up, we throw it out. Because people could misspeak. So it would never go against what God says or what he promised. And if you just read Scripture itself too, this part's super exciting to me because as I read it, God speaks through others all the time, and he uses others all the time. And he doesn't have to because we know God is sovereign. God is on the throne. He's in charge. He can do anything. He created the world from nothing. But for whatever reason, I mean, he used David to kill Goliath. Um, when Moses is, the Israelites are battling the Amalekites, Moses raises his hands at the top of the mountain, and the Israelites win the battle. 
If he lowers them, the Malachites start winning. So then when Moses gets tired, he uses Aaron and her to raise Moses' hands so the Israelites keep winning. And then again, Moses, when the people are in the desert and they need water, he could just bring water, but he asked Moses to strike the rock twice with his staff and then bring forth water. You think of Saul's conversion story I talked about? When Saul, Jesus speaks to him in a vision right there on the road to Damascus, and then he understands Jesus in a whole new way, gives his life to Christ, becomes a central figure of the Bible. He, but remember, Saul's blind. Paul's blind at that point. He can't see because of what happened. But he calls, God calls Ananias, Ananias to go there and to pray for Paul and have Paul get his vision restored. He didn't have to do that. Just like he didn't need the little boy's bread and fish in order to feed the thousands. He made manna bread rain down from heaven in the Old Testament. He could have done that again. But he, we get to be a part of God's story. We get to play a small role. We don't have, it's not like he needs us, but that's a relational God that we serve. He wants us to be a part of it. We get to go along and be part of the ride when we're tied close to him. All right, so lastly, we're going to talk about discerning God's voice through stillness and prayer. Now, this one is a little, can look a little different because we're talking about being in prayer and saying, I hear God. This isn't coming through somebody else or right directly from the Bible necessarily. So it's a trickier one for a lot of people. It's something that we don't necessarily talk about a lot because we don't want to get this wrong. It's like, well, is that in my head or is that God? But if we look at the way God speaks, again, in the Bible, he's a creative God. So he uses all different ways to speak, whether it's through the heavenly thunders and the storms or um, he's the burning bush and supernatural events like that where he manifests his presence in himself or all those things might happen and he's just in a still small whisper that he speaks to Elijah and all that. And if we look at one common way people would say they hear from God in stillness of that is they get out in nature. They get out and see things and like, I feel close to God when I'm in nature. And that actually is biblical when we look at Psalms. You can put the Psalms up there. We look at what David wrote in Psalms. That's what David did. David looked around and saw the way things around him reflected God. And that's how God spoke to him. So if being still and listening in prayer allows the Spirit to bring our minds truths that minister to our needs. So if David could see the Lord's attributes speaking through nature, then so can we. So once again, the real important thing here is we have to discern this voice though. Is it in our head or is it not? So first, we have to know Scripture and God's voice. We have to know the shepherd's voice. Because remember, there's somebody imitating him and wanting us to get off track just a little bit. So that's the importance of being in his word and knowing who he is. And I'll have the, we're going to do, this is the scary part for some of you, we're going to do a little exercise on this as we close. You don't have to talk to anybody. This is a personal thing, so don't worry about it. It's going to be a relatively easy stretch for you. Um, but the worship team can come up. And uh, as I, we're going to get ready, they're going to play a song and we're going to look at a picture. But before we do that, I'll just share a little bit in my own time how God's changed me and the way I pray. When I prayed back in here and started doing it, I would describe it as a lot of one-way communication. Like I felt, like I said, it felt distant. It wasn't a relationship. So if you picture it as a phone call, I'm telling God, hey, pray for this person, that person. I want this to happen if you could. Can you please help them? Can you please help that? And then, oh, I'm thankful for this, 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 and that. Hang up the phone. And so what I've learned to do, oh, we got to get that out of here, don't we? So what I've learned to do is to listen Give him space so I can discern his voice. And so for me, what's interesting has happened in my prayers the last couple of years is at the end, I'll just, sometimes when I'm downstairs, 
I just ask God, okay, what, what am I missing? Is there bring somebody or something to mind? And I'm just quiet. And it's amazing that sometimes he'll just, again, that voice that comes out of the back, just a picture of somebody I knew or a classmate from years ago. Could be somebody I know right now that I'm in relationship with. And what I do is I just reach out and I try to pray for them. Sometimes it means I have to go look somebody up because I haven't talked to them in years. And it's weird. I can tell you that not every one of these stories is awesome. Like, I don't, not everybody responds. But sometimes people do respond and they really appreciate the prayers. And sometimes I just walk away saying, only God. Like, only God would bring that person to my mind on that day when they reach out with this thing and say this. And so that, to me, is, is, is really exciting. So what we're going to do is just put a, an image up here of nature. And I'm just going to ask you to look at it while they play music and just ask God, ask his Holy Spirit to come and speak to you through that. What does God want to say to you when you look at that?
guys. So we have a few minutes. Does anyone want to share anything? <laughs> God speak to anybody? You want to share? Ooh, that's scary, isn't it? I have never done that before, but we did do that two weeks ago in Oklahoma, and it was really cool to see how God works. And just want to close by encouraging everybody. Um, first, that God speaks. We probably all have different levels of how we think he speaks, and we might think different things there. But God speaks, and it's the same God for all of us. Second, this is, this is hard to articulate because I don't want to make it sound like you have to earn anything. This is not works-based. It's not based on anything you do. But I don't personally know how we can know God and discern his voice without knowing his word, and spending time with him basically every day. Like, that should be the goal. Like, give him part of every day. And I sat out here for at least several years before I even started to think in terms of every day. I thought, we'll come to church every week and maybe go to this and get more out of it for that. But I could see transformation happening in people, but the difference was they were releasing everything to God. They were giving it up, and I always keep holding on to stuff, waiting and waiting. So I would just encourage you. I'm talking to myself from yesteryear. You don't have to wait, Jeff. <laughs> you don't have to wait. God is there waiting. This is on, his invitation is there. If you accepted what Jesus did in the Bible, if you accepted that we are sinners and broken, and we can't come before a holy God without asking for Jesus to cover it, his sacrifice on the cross, you accept that, then God sees you as his child. God sees you as Jesus. He sees me as Jesus. We get to, that's the simple way to look at it. He looks at us and attributes everything Jesus did to us. And all the things that we did or are going to do, he attributes to Jesus on the cross. And he puts it away. It says in Scripture, he forgets all of our sins. And that's the thing. It's God. So God is... <laughs> God's in charge. 
He is sovereign, and he doesn't need us. And he's not going to love us any more than he already does. We accepted Jesus. He, he just, he loves us, so it's not on us to get any more love. But we get to play a part. I feel like the way I've heard it described is we're just more useful when we draw near to him and know him better. So I just want to encourage you all on that. I'm going to pray to, before they sing one last song. Lord, thank you for your time today. Thank you for everyone here. I just pray that you would give people an excitement for your word and who you are and just want to know, is that song we just sang, that that would resonate. They would want to know you better. We want you to, we want to just, we want to experience the transformation you have for us and the purposes you have for us. So just call us close to you, Lord. Let us get an excitement doing that. It doesn't have to feel like work. And just encourage everyone where they're at today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody stand up. We're going to have a little bit of fun for the last song. Let's get moving. <laughs>